Hey guys, welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. I do this usually once a week. I've been out for a little bit, um, working on some working on some more material to put out there, um, writing a, another book for assessments, uh, doing some more stuff. So I've, that's what I've been spending my time on. But uh, today I'm going to do completely open topics. So any any open topics you guys have about cybersecurity stuff, I don't have nothing, no agenda, nothing. So um, I've been getting so many emails and so much, um, so many people contacting me and asking questions. And, and I apologize. I'm no longer doing one on ones. It's just too much. And I have a full time job. And just to introduce myself, my name is my name is Bruce, and I am um, have been doing cybersecurity for the better part of 20 years, and um, mostly in GRC. That's governance, risk, compliance type stuff. So that means I'm doing like regulations for for organizations and uh, it makes really good money and people don't really talk about it. So that's what I've decided to um, make my main thing here. So if you have any questions about how to get in this field, how to uh, whatever you guys, whatever kind of questions you have about cybersecurity, I can answer it. I can I can tell you what where to start to get into this field and why. Like you might be asking, so well, why would I want to get in this field? You know, I'm, I'm doing OK for myself. Um, well, for one thing, this job's going to be around for a really long time. It's been in demand for, for many years. I've not been without a job. I work remotely. I make six figures and I've been doing this for I've been doing this for seven years, uh, working remotely and, and making six figures. So and from time to time, I could take like a side hustle, side side gigs, you know, if it doesn't interfere with my job. Um, it's, it's pretty good, I have to say, you know, I'm not I'm not complaining in that department. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, what I'll do is I'll answer some of the questions that I've been getting um, uh, that I've been getting. Um, one of the questions, let me see. Somebody asked me, um, let me actually just bring it up here. Getting so many emails and I, there's no way I'm going to be able to answer all the emails, man. I, I just don't have the time to do it. Can you work remotely? uh from the get-go um if from for some jobs you can alex uh so the question was can you just come in and just start working remotely and it's for it depends on the job like nowadays you know I, and you know honestly four years ago i couldn't say that but now yeah because a lot of organizations have opened up things because of covid um what happened was a lot of organizations were very reluctant to allow their employees to work remotely because they didn't have the infrastructure to do it. They didn't have, they thought that, you know, if, if you let your people work remotely, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, your, your um, productivity is gonna suffer. And it turns out that not, that's not true. So you can have people working remotely and, um, and be more productive in some cases. And um, so a lot of organizations are now, now do including IT job. Many, many IT jobs are now remote. And you can find them. It's just you've got to put in the work to find them. So I could tell you quickly what I did to find these remote positions. So what I did to work remotely was um, what you what I would do now. Like I started this a long time ago, like before COVID, before like I had my own method of doing it. But it still works to this day. But in, and in this day and age, what I would do, I wrote a whole book about it. If you're interested, go check it out. But um, I'm going to tell you right now in, in a couple minutes how, how you could do it. So number one on your resume, 
number one, there's not all jobs will allow this, right? There's some jobs you have to be on site. Like if you're civil engineering, you're working on roads, roofing, whatever, you know, you, obviously you have to be there, right? <laughs> if it's physical security and you're a security guard out in front of a, 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 a establishment, of course you have to be there, right? You can't do certain jobs, can't do remotely, obviously. But IT, many IT jobs, you can work remotely. Cybersecurity jobs, you can work remotely, many, all right? So first of all, you have to you have to be in a field that's going to allow you to work remotely. So what I would do is on my resume, put right at the top. This is what I do right at the top. Prefer remote work. I've noticed that certain industries can do this. Certain, certain parts of uh, healthcare industry could do this. Certain financial sectors um, in people in the financial sector can do this. Government, some government work. Um, that's what I do right now. Can do this. Um, Certain sectors are, are are more suited for this, uh, I would say. So number one on your resume, right up top, pref remote work preferred, uh, uh, work from home preferred, like that. And then put in there your experience working remotely. Now, if you have no experience working from remotely, if you've ever worked any job and part of your team is from another state, is, is, is working from another country, you've kind of worked remotely. So you're working remotely from you're working with a team remotely on a project. You want to put that in your resume. So you you want the organization that you're going to work for remotely to know that you're not going to be hindered because your team is is here or there, that you're going to be available to do that job. And so that's what you're trying to get them to know that not only do you know how to work teams in Zoom and you know all the tools that you need to work remotely, but also you've worked on projects with a team that was remote. So you need to put that in your resume. Um, another thing you have to do is be a very aggressive with it. You've got to, because these jobs go really very quickly. There, There's more jobs than there were four years ago, but they go very quickly. So you got to get in there and just be very aggressive about applying for these jobs that are remote, remote jobs. And then another thing is that not all work home from home jobs are work from home jobs. There's flex jobs where you work three days out of a week. Uh, there's 100% um, remote jobs. Of course, that's the classic job everybody wants where they're working from home, period, or they're working from another place. And then another thing is that there's restrictions sometimes. Some, some jobs will allow you to work remotely, but as long as you don't go out of the United States. Some jobs will allow you to remote rem jobs to you can do it remotely, but you can't go out of certain areas. Um, another thing is um, some some of these remote jobs are require a lot of travel. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Like if and then if a certain amount of travel will make it so it's irrelevant that you work remotely, to be honest with you. So I worked one job where I was um, that I was working. Um, oh, man, I was remote. But I was I was traveling like 50 percent of the year. And um, if you're if you're traveling 50 percent, like you might as well just work from the office because you're never going to be home. <laughs> you know? You're not going to be home. So uh, so just just evaluate the type of work, remote work. But to answer your question, there are jobs that you write from immediately. You could start working remotely if you don't have any experience in I.T., if you don't have any experience a lot of times they'll have you do um, on the job training. And for that, you probably will have to meet with somebody at some point to do uh, deeper training. So hope that answers your question. Somebody asked me, am I Boyd Clueless? Uh, a lot of people are asking me that lately. Um, I, I, I don't I don't know the man. I know who I know of him. Um, 
very successful risk management framework type dude. Um, I think we do totally different things. Him and I, like, I think we're we're both in the same industry, but we do. I'm I'm more of a I'm a content creator and a writer. I think he's a businessman. You know, I mean, he is he is a hundred percent business dude. So, you know, I'm more of a content creator. So, um, best way to get into cybersecurity as a brand. Um, new to person in tech. Best way to get into cybersecurity as a brand. Do you mean like start your own company? Is that what you mean? I need more context on that one. I had some really good questions that came through on email that I would like to read. I don't want to expose anybody, but I think I can actually answer some of those that might be helpful to somebody else. This is these lives are the best way to ask to ask me questions. I mean, I get so many emails and then the emails are are very deep. So I don't. Sometimes um, it's just better if I can talk to, you know, a lot of people at once, because a lot of people ask the same questions. Uh, let me see if I can find that. OK, I got a lot of questions about coaching. I, I don't do coaching right now. It's on pause because I don't have the time to do it. Um, I used to do one on one coaching where I would walk somebody through their resume. I would like redo their resume, talk to them about interview, how to get a job and what you do once you get in there. I, I don't have time to do that anymore. Um, I got a full time job, so I can only do this like on weekends and stuff. And so I, I'm no longer doing um, one on ones. Um, let me see if there's any other questions. There was a couple of really good ones that I'm looking for. Oh, here, I think this is it. Somebody said, um, somebody asked me, Nick asked me, he said, good morning. I'm a subscriber to your YouTube channel. I appreciate your content. Um, being a black man in this industry, um, it's good to see someone who's black in this industry. There's a lot of us doing this. <laughs> my, my actual current supervisor and boss are black. And then the last place I worked at were also black. Um, I think I think it's because um, this job is something a lot some people can't do. Uh, it's, it's difficult because you have to talk to people and be technical. You've got to like uh have like a you got to be you know two-handed sword with it and i don't think a lot of people can do this but i think that uh, the special situations that um that minorities and um and um especially um people just getting here um people just getting here from other countries i i noticed there's a lot of foreign nationals uh that do this work and there's a lot of uh people uh, black men and women who do this work because i i think it's personally my own personal opinion i think it's because uh we've been through a lot so <laughs> a lot of um immigrants do this job like new new americans do this job because this is it's difficult like this is not easy work like you can't just be in a closet and uh and just fix a router and then go home like this is no this is like you gotta have some emotional intelligence on this one and i think that be it, people from a harder background tend to do well in this in this industry because 
we've we've been through more stuff, you know, to be quite honest. And so you know how to navigate uh, people who are having a bad day and 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 also uh, work with technology. So it's a really good fit if you happen to be an immigrant. And if you happen to be uh, somebody who's been through adversity, it's actually a very good fit for you. Um, that's why I think there's so many black. Uh, there's a there's a there are it's like it feels like the NBA sometimes like it's over representation like black. We are only 14 percent of the of the population, but make up something like 80 percent of the NBA or something. You know, what I mean? it's because you're you where we're from there's a lot of people in the streets uh playing ball and getting practice um so where we're from also there's a lot of adversity and you got to rise above it so that's that's just my theory i don't know i'm just probably i don't know what i'm talking about um anyway somebody said going back to the question he said uh, i was thinking about doing freelance work regarding cybersecurity and i'm working I'm already working in the government and I want to do my own business on the side. Okay, I can answer this question. So I've been doing this for a long time. I've I've had a business for the last businesses. I've had multiple businesses since 2004. When I got out of the military, I realized corporate life was not going to work out for me. And I had to have something on the side. And um, I started doing a business on the side. And um, I, I just do it on the weekends. I do it when I got off of work. It was it wasn't easy. It was very difficult, but I was doing it. And I was working for at the time um, I had I was on a contract working with the Air Force Weather Agency. or I don't remember what it was, but we were working. Um, I was working that job. And, and so the answer is, yes, you can do it. But there's a few things that I would that I would avoid. Number one, conflict of interest. Like you don't especially if you're doing like contracting work on your, you have your own contracting job, but you're a contractor, you don't want to be stealing their customers. You know, you don't want to like, let's say they, what they do is they, they do consulting risk management consulting and you're working for them. You're taking their benefits. You're, you're doing all this work for the air force or whoever. You don't want to go behind their back and start working some side job for the air force or for the, you know, directly that's, that's competition with them. You, you don't, that's, that's against the law. You're not supposed to do that. You, normally they have you sign an agreement saying you will not do that. Like if you read the fine print, it says something to the effect you will not compete against them. Um, so you can't do that. Another thing that you can't do, um, you, you don't want to work for other governments. Like if you working for the U S government, it's a bad idea to work for another government. And you, from time to time, you may get an offer to work for an organization that's in UK uh, who happens to have a contract with with uh, their government or whatever. So um, you, you can't you, I would not do it. It's not a good idea because and the reason why is the federal government normally has a public trust or usually has like a background check. And they're going to ask you, have you ever worked for another government? And the answer should be no. <laughs> the answer should be no. Like I currently do not work. Have I done it before? Yes. I used to, I'm, I'm from Ghana. I, I worked for the Ghana, Ghanaian government um, six years ago, whatever, you know, of course that's fine. But if you're currently working for the, for the Israeli government on the side gigs and they find out and you told them, no, that's not good. You know what I mean? Like, so no, I would not do that. Another thing is uh, don't get burned out. Um, uh, a lot of times if you, with your own business is difficult. 
because you have to a lot of times work way more hours. You know, there's this on YouTube, like a lot of people saying, oh, I work a four hour work week or I work, you know, my job, my business is making a hundred thousand a year, 300,000, making a million dollars a year and I only work 15 hours. You know, <laughs> that's real business isn't like, I mean, most business is not like that, I should say. Most business, you're working your ass off until it takes off. So don't burn yourself out. You have a job and you have a business. It, don't don't burn yourself out. Like make yourself. You got to be able to have the self discipline to cut away and like take a break whenever you know whenever you need it. Another thing is um, you got to tell them whenever you leave the country, if, especially for the U.S. federal government. You got to tell them when you when you leave the the country. I should say when you leave the country, you got to just let them know. You know, normally they're going to be okay with it, but just say, hey, I'm leaving the country. You know, I'll be gone from this day to this day because what you don't want to happen is that they find out later. You know what I mean? Especially if you really need that job and they find out you you left the country with their equipment. Oh, my Lord. Like, nah, just tell them, hey, I'm leaving the country. Um, I'll, I've got family over there. You know, I'll be back on X, X day. You know, it's not a big deal. They just need to know that they what they don't want to see is you to hide and things. Right. Especially if you took their equipment. Like if you're not taking their equipment, then you might be able to get away with it or whatever. Um, I think that's about it. Those are the things that I've learned. Um, oh, another thing is I don't talk about my business. When I'm at when I'm at my job, I don't talk about this stuff I'm doing here. I don't talk about it. Every now and then people discover me. People from my job will say, hey, you're you're I know you. <laughs> and then they'll start and I'll say, yeah, you know, I've got a YouTube channel or whatever, you know, it's no big deal. Or I do this or on the side or, or something like that. And that's it. I normally I don't talk about it. I'm not promoting my stuff at work or but a couple times they found me out and everybody start promoting it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I, that's the last thing I want. I want I want to be able to do talk, speak freely in this platform. I don't want to. I don't want to um, tiptoe around things. I mean, not that I'm not saying something crazy. I'm just I just want the freedom to be able to do what I want on my on my own time. You know what I mean? So. That's that's just my the way I think about it. All right, let me see. I got some other questions here. Somebody says, I'm in I'm in IT help desk. Can I get in the cyber security? Um yes. Yes, you can. Absolutely you can. And um, so um Adam, I can show you um what you need to do if you most people start off in help desk, and, and that's like really the best way to do it. But what you're going to want to do is look at all of the times that you helped out with security in your organization. That's what you want to do. And you want to put that stuff on your resume. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. It's called best security practices. And you're already doing cybersecurity. So that's the magic of this. You're actually already doing cybersecurity. You just need to put it on your resume. And once you do that, once you put it on your resume, you'll make yourself seen by people who are looking for you right now right now this moment somebody is looking for you and so all you're doing is is um putting that stuff so right now on the screen i'm showing you exactly the types of things that you need to put on your resume like these are best security practices and i'll read some of these so one is inventory and uh control of enterprise assets that's like whenever you guys have tracked the hardware and software in your environment. 
that's that's a secure that's something you should put on your resume like if you've ever helped to track down a certain asset a certain system a certain desktop on your you know put down there that you've done that that you helped out the organization to do that another one's data protection this should be obvious but data protection is like making sure there's a data loss uh Data loss prevention is uh, DLP. Data loss prevention is being done. If you've ever done that, you need to put that on your resume. Um, another thing would be access control. That's like whenever you've added or removed accounts from the network, that accounts as cybersecurity. So you need to put that on your resume. How many systems, how many people did you add or remove to the network? I mean, how, what was the impact to the organization because you were doing that service. That's the kind of stuff you need to put on your resume. Uh, continuous monitoring is another one. Malware defense is another one. Data recovery, data backups, per, uh, uh, pen testing goes without saying, incident response, um, application software security. All of these things are things that you have to put on your resume to make to get yourself in front of people who are looking for you. Okay, let me see. Hope that Hope that answers your question. Um, somebody said, I, I want this as a career so bad. You can do it. I'm in the army. I'm, I'm in the army to, uh, working, looking to work in cybersecurity. I'm sorry. I can't freaking read. <laughs> I'm in the army looking to work in the cybersecurity too. So I work with the army multiple times and they have a standard called AR 25 dash two, if I'm not mistaken. AR 20 AR 25 2 AR 25 yeah that's what it's called AR 25-2 I think that's what it is it's cybersecurity basically information assurance yeah here it is right here here it is yeah army regulation 25-2 so the army regulation 25-2 is the Army's interpretation of cybersecurity and cybersecurity controls. And so this document right here, this document right here will walk through what the Army's, how the Army does cybersecurity um, from a high level. Like what do they do? What do they implement? What, what reference do they use? All those kinds of things go into this reference. So if I was in the Army right now, if I wanted to get into this, First of all, if you're planning on staying in for a couple more years, I would cross rate, cross train into and that's what the military calls it, where you go from one career field to another. I would cross train into um, the cybersecurity field and learn about this stuff right here. This AR 25-2. This right here, this is money right here. This AR 25-2, because this goes into GRC. This goes into GRC, um, acquisitions, um, it talks about security operations centers. It's just like a broad covering almost everything. Yeah, change your MOS. That's what it's called. So um, I can't remember what MOS stands for. <laughs> uh, so MOS is your job. AFSC is what we call it in, in the Air Force. But yeah, change your AFSC. If you're going to stay in for any length of time, you're going to change your MOS to to the, I think they call it security, surety or net. Um, Cyber surety or some stupid name that they have for it right now. But go into that field and then they're gonna they're gonna teach you what you need to know, all the basics. They're gonna teach you uh, a signal core is is I believe what they call it in the army. 
But those guys, man, some of those dudes, especially the warrant officers, man, they really know what they're talking about. So I would cross train. I would change my MOS to another one. I'd do that for a couple of years. All you need is about one year, man. All you need is about one. Hell, all six months. You can get six months in that field, man. If you get your boot in that field for six months, you're golden. When you get out, you're going to make you you have an option to make some some good money on the outside. So while you're in, though, what you want to do is well, I was telling my brother in law, he's in the Air Force about the same thing is what you want to do is. If you if you have it in you, go to school, use your tuition assistance, go to school and um, and get your degree before you get out and then um, get certifications while you're in because they'll pay for it. And somebody said, did you get certifications in the service? Yes, sir. So get your get a degree while you're in. Use tuition assistance. Use. Look, if there's a war right now, you best believe they're going to send your ass on the front line and you might die. OK, so you better get everything you can out of the military, especially the damn army. Get get your degree. Let them pay for it. Get a certification. Let them pay for it. Sign whatever paperwork you got to do. Change your MOS. Get six months in there, six months, and then get out, get out the military. <laughs> uh, get as much training as you can. So when you get out of the military, you'll have a clearance. They're going to give you a security clearance. You know how hard it is to get a security clearance outside of the military? Yeah. So they give you they give those things out like candy in the military. So you're going to have a security clearance, a secret, uh, a, a security clearance of some sort. And then you're going to give, they're going to give you on the job training, valuable training you can't get from nowhere else in a real environment. They're going to uh, if you get a degree, of, you're going to get a free damn degree, bro, a free degree, man, a free certification. And then when you get out, when if you have all those things, plus on the job training, you live on the East Coast. Just hit me back after you do it and then thank me. It's be like, hey, Bruce, I did what you said, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right. Let me see. Uh, I got some other questions here. Somebody asked me if I was from Ghana. No, I wish I might go. I might go to Ghana and uh, buy some property or something. I heard that they're giving out they're giving out um, um, citizenship. Might do that. Let me see. See if I got some more questions. SS says, um, hey, Bruce, long time. Glad glad to see you doing good. I passed the CISSP and the CISM. Wow, that's a hard, that's difficult. Congrats, man. Congrats to you. That's Your life's about to change. I know when I took the CISSP, after I got it, my whole life changed, man. That my whole life changed. If there's one certification, if you have the um, ability to get it, the CISSP is for cybersecurity people. It it will change your life. Like you don't necessarily have to have a degree with a CISSP. You've got you've got a little bit of train. You've got a little bit of experience in the CISSP. Yeah, they're gonna somebody's gonna. It's not easy. It's not an easy certification to get. Um, it was hard for me. I mean, I know people walked in and in like an hour, supposedly thirty minutes later they. They finished and got 100 percent or whatever, you know, but that's not me, man. I, I took all six hours and thought I failed afterwards. <laughs> it was a hard test for me. But congrats, SS. Put that on your resume. See what see what happens when you put it on your resume. Post your resume on Dice Monster and LinkedIn. See what happens when you put it on your resume. 
Um, also, what do you think about the difference between risk management and security compliance? Um, I think they're the same thing. Um, risk, risk management, IT risk management. I don't know nothing about risk management outside of information technology. So I'm just going to focus on risk management. It's the same thing. And let me let me explain why. Because security security compliant. Well, there is there are there can be some differences. OK, what are the differences? OK, I've done both of these things. And I would say if you're doing a purely risk based job, which I just did, I worked at Verizon and I was in a, on a team that did risk assessments for organizations. So our focus wasn't on compliance. It was on risk. It was specifically on risk like a laser. And what we would do is we would take all their data. We'd run assessments. We'd take all their data and say, okay, here's where we see all the risks. And we'd say, here's your highest risk. You should fix this. Fix this. And this will help your security posture of your whole organization. And here's the other things we found, by the way. And start, but start off with this. We'd prioritize it. We say, this is the first one you got to fix, and then this one, then this one, and then this will bring your score down. So it was score based. It was results based. Like you would run scans until you got their risk down. Um, security compliance. We worked with another organization that did security compliance, and their the main thing they did was make sure you were compliant with certain regulations. For example, if you worked in the banking industry or financial sector, you might be subject to something called Sarbanes-Oxley. And it's based it's it's essentially um, it's a um, regulation that comes down from the federal government that states that you you will you will have auditing. You will do this. You will do that. It looks very much like the NIST 800. It looks very much like PCI compliance, but they have to meet all of these standards and what's called Sarbanes-Oxley. Um, and then another regulation that you might have to do in the government, we have something called a risk management framework, which is NIST 837. And so we're we're going down the list of all the documents you have to do. The difference is the risk is based specifically on lowering the um, the level of managing the risk as effectively as possible. That mean I might mean remediating things. That might mean writing a certain policy. That might mean making sure operational security is done a certain way. That might mean fixing up your wireless. But compliance, the difference is you're focused more on making sure you're meeting certain laws. There is a lot of cross-pollination between the two, and that's why I start off by saying, oh, they're the same. They are different. <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of cross-pollination between the two. Like, And that would be that would be that in some cases to to manage the risk you have to have compliance and then in some cases to be compliant you have to manage your like there's so much crossover that they they're very intimately entwined um but but one is not the other necessarily but they're often grouped together because there's so much uh crossover and that's why GRC stands for governance risk and compliance because all these three things all like are married like you, you can't really have one without the other. In order to have compliance, you have to manage your risk. In order to manage your risk, you have to have some level of compliance. But as far as jobs go, compliance is a lot of documentation and checking a lot of boxes. It's a lot of documentation. And risk 
it has some documentation in it that is necessary, but it's not really the only thing you're doing. You might be you're working with the vulnerability team to make sure that they're fixing um, vulnerabilities. You're you're you might have to uh, do a whole bunch of assessments. You're get at by any means necessary, lowering the, the level of risk and lowering your the chances and the likelihood that your system's going to get hacked. So I would say those probably are the main differences. Hope I hope that answers that question. Thanks, SS. That's a great question, by the way. Um, let me see. I've got some questions on TikTok. It says, um, what are your thoughts on system engineers? Um, I hate system engineers. I want to, every time I see a system engineer, I want to murder them. I'm, it's a joke. But no, uh, system engineering is, um, I work with system engineering engineers before. <laughs> I had the opportunity at one time to become a system engineer. And um, they're it's really smart dudes. Um, system engineers are, are people, typically their, their background is heavily, um, they usually have some sort of a degree. They normally have like a high level degree, like a double E or something super hard or math degree or like they're very smart dudes. Um, who have a very good understanding of how systems work. Um, they're not usually in the weeds on cybersecurity stuff. They're usually very smart on like one aspect of information technology um, or one aspect of, I don't know, satellite systems or ground stations or like they'll have like one specialty, but that specialty allows them to like very quickly understand um, how this program works with this system or whatever. They're very smart dudes, and usually they're multidisciplinary, meaning they 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 know they might know system engineering, but they also know electrical engineering, and they also know a little bit of programming. You know, they're like those kind of guys. So um, I, I I've got nothing but respect for system engineers, um, and really I have to work with them on a regular basis. So um, all kinds of system engineers, by the way. Um, somebody asked me. Uh, is getting into IT management is getting an IT management degree and a certification a good start to get into GRC? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's it's great. It's very good foundationally. But what you want to do is another thing you want to do. I should say is is look into if you have a pencil or something, or if you can play this back somehow. Look into um, cybersecurity frameworks. I'm sure you, if you have a, if you're in an IT management program, at some point you will have heard of one of these things that I'm about to list. Um, one of them is called NIST 837. Risk, it's a risk management framework, which is done by federal organizations in the U.S. Um, the beauty of it is that it's so recognized that even in other countries, they will refer to it. It's very well done. Um, and then there's one called ISO 27001, ISO 27002, which is essentially it's the same thing as the NIST 837. They have different terminology, but it's used more in international organizations all over the world. Like you'll see it um, in Ghana. They use it in, uh, in all over South America. They'll use it all over Europe. That's a big one over there. Um, so that's another one. That's another framework that you want to write down. ISO, ISO 270001. So how many zeros? One, two, zero, zero, one. Zero, zero, one? Zero, zero, one. ISO 2, 
1-800-227-7001. So that's one. Another one's PCI compliance, and that's the credit card industry's uh, cybersecurity framework. Another one is uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, which is often called SOX, SOX. Um, one is called um, COBITS, C-O-B-I-T. Um, another one is called NIST Cybersecurity Framework, not to be confused with cybersecurity, um, not to be confused with NIST 837. They're, they're different things. Um, so th those are things that you want to look into if you're trying to do GRC. If you, under, if you have an understanding of those along with a bachelor degree, and along with a certification and you know you have a background in IT and have experience hands-on experience in IT you'll get a job you can get a job in GRC and it pays really good cuz not many people want to do this this stuff all right let me see if i have any other questions ss says um help desk is a bread and butter of how to get start is of how to get started and beat um and beat approach to getting in cybersecurity just because just like bruce said and you are going to do, have to do the legwork on the scene yeah i agree with that so one of the one of the best ways to start is to is to get into help desk like if you happen to be on the help desk and you're like man i hate the help desk free i'm just so tired of this i'm telling you the best guys come from the help desk because and the reason why i say that is because they they know how to deal with customers they have they have patience they have um they have a technical background um but not not one that's so strong that they think they're they're freaking god like some of the server guys do and then um they're just a well-rounded person to get into grc so you can do you can get into grc directly from help desk like he said they're they're the bread and butter of getting started. I totally agree with that. That's how I started it. My first job in the Air Force in IT was a help desk guy. That's where they put, they would put, when I was in, they would put you on the help desk first. And then that's how you would get on the job training. And slowly you might learn some server stuff and then you might learn some, some, some uh, router stuff, you know. Thank you for that comment, SS. I appreciate that. Uh, let me see. See if I have more questions on um, how much math is involved in cybersecurity degree. Um, and in a cybersecurity degree, it depends on what kind of degree you get. So if you if you have a if you're getting a degree, and correct me if I'm wrong, all you guys who already have uh, you guys have different degrees or whatever. But let me give you like a breakdown. So a cybersecurity, a computer science degree. Um, with some cybersecurity is going to have a lot of math. It's going to have programming, math, all kinds of stuff. Um, if if you're taking a more of an IT, a computer information technology route with a specialization in cybersecurity, there wasn't much math. That's kind of what I did. So there wasn't much math in it. Um, I wasn't. I mean, we did some programming, but it wasn't. It what we our what we were learning is more of like how systems work within an organization and, and the system, the organization's need for that for that system. Cybersecurity math, how much math do you normally have to do? There is some math like there's like um, 
it's not it's gonna it's not gonna make or break you. I put it to you that way, right? It's it's like maybe five percent. Like it's not gonna be a lot. Maybe three percent. Let's say it's not a lot. Um, and you guys tell me if you're if I'm wrong. It was not. A, it's not a lot in cybersecurity. It's not the only. There are some fields that it's it's gonna be a lot, like a lot, a lot. And probably those would be if you're doing cryptography. That's all math. That's math proofs. That's like complex algorithms. It's crazy math. Like not many human beings have the capacity to do that kind of stuff. So, so that aspect is super math. Like, in fact, those are usually mathematicians who do to do that. They're not even, they're considered in cybersecurity, but they're actual mathematicians. So uh, if you're doing cryptography or crypto analyst work is hundred percent, it's, it's, it's 95% math and some in some cybersecurity. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, but um, let me see. Another one would be um, the software engine, but that's not that's not really your question. But uh, computer science is is quite a bit of math and logic and, and programming, quite a bit. Um, mostly pro mostly logic in, in programming, which is not not really math. Um, but cybersecurity, how much math? Not it's not it's not much. It's not gonna it's not gonna break you. You know, like if you you hate math. I love math, but I'm not, not good at it. Math is incredible. Like I, I love math, but you know, math is how they discovered that black holes exist. Like before, like in the early 1900s, they were like, just do it math. They were like, so this proves that black holes exist. And they're like, black, what is that? Like a hole in space exists. And based off of this math right here, you know, math is incredible, man. Math without math, none of this would be possible. None of this, none of this stuff we're doing would be possible without math. Math is absolutely incredible. Um, let me see. Let me see. Any more questions? Let me see if I got more questions here. Um, I do a password reset. Um, assisting telecommuter, assisting telecommuters for troubleshooting and, and sample, uh, sample you give me would be, would be a good sample if you help. Okay. I don't know what you mean by this, Adam. You're typing too fast, my man. Oh, that or I can't read. <laughs> or maybe we were following up with another question. Oh, you're talking to somebody else probably. Okay. Uh, man, I'm getting some crazy. Okay, let me see. SS says, uh, clearance is a big plus for for a security for a job in security for job security. A clearance is a big plus for for job security. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, a clearance is one of the things I want to clear up is that a security clearance is not necessary for a cybersecurity job. Um, because the reason why I say this is because a lot of people think that you have to have a, a, a security clearance to get a cybersecurity job, and it's not. So that's not the case. So I've had jobs where I was doing cybersecurity and I did not have a clearance. As a matter of fact, um, my job at Verizon, I didn't have a clearance. I mean, I, it wasn't necessary. Um, I did have to have a background check, and that's not the same as a security clearance. And I had a public trust. The public trust is not a clearance. It's not 
officially a clearance. So a public trust is like um, it's like a it's just a background check. That's all it is. Um, so you don't have to have a security. But he's right. SS is right. If you have a clearance coming from especially if you're in, from the military or you're from some federal organization and, and they retain your clearance, that it's a big plus because the organization is it's hard for organizations to find somebody with a security clearance. That's why it's a job security. Thanks for that comment, SS. I appreciate that. And um, OK, he's talking to somebody else in that one. OK, somebody said. Um, what cybersecurity, what cybersecurity projects would you recommend that I have? Um, that I re do you recommend? I have an HP and Intel Pentium processor. What cybersecurity projects do you? Oh, OK. You mean like what kinds of things can you use to like do some testing on your computer? OK, that's a great question. Thank you for that question. Um, there's a there's a site called uh hack the box let me let me just get the actual hack the box i believe it's called okay there's a couple there's one called hack the box which is actually hacking on a website and you don't need to have a super high um processing power for that because it's all done on their servers in the cloud so it's called hackthebox.com and I, I don't know what the pricing on that is, but I think they have some free entry level. Yeah, they have a free, a free um, basic level of hacking. And then they have one that's 14 a month and 20 a month for VIPs. But you can start off with the free one. And you it's actually allowing you to do some hacking directly from hackthebox.com. So check that out. Um, another one is called, man. Um, there's another one I'm, I'm trying to think alternatives to hack the box. Ah, uh, there's one called, and it's just escaping me right now. There's a really, really good one that I, I used to use from time to time just to mess around and I am having trouble finding it. Um, do you guys know what I'm talking about? You cybersecurity people who are, are listening right now. What other hack? Try hack me. Thank you. Thank you. I believe it's try hack, man. Thank you. Yeah, a couple people. Thank you. <laughs> That's what it's called. So try hack me and hack the box. Try. It's literally try hack me. Um, yeah, this is it right here. Try hack me. This this is what it looks like. If you guys happen to be watching me on YouTube, I'm showing it on the screen right now. So this is what it looks like. Um, and I, I believe this one also starts off as free. They have competitions in there. They have red teaming. They have all kinds of stuff where they're te literally you're hacking and they're teaching you how to you're hacking by like doing the actual hacks. Um, and the other ones hack the box. Those are the two that I would recommend that I've actually used. Try hack me before. It's really fun. It's really cool to do so if you're interested in that one. Another thing you can do if you want to do it on your desktop, there's a couple things you can do. There's one called GNS3. I know some of you guys are going to be like, I don't know what that is. GNS3. So this is if you want to learn how to do some uh, 
some soft, some networking. So it's a virtual networking that you can put on your system, on your computer. You can have a virtual, you can set up networks on your computer. Like it's on, it's on your computer as like a little screen and you're actually um, setting up networks, complex networks using GNS3. Um, somebody said GNS3 is better than Packet Tracer. Yeah, Packet Tracer is another um, application you can put on your computer and learn complex networking where you're working with um, network uh, routing protocols. You're, you're working with like how to how to set up IPs and how to make these two IPs talk that if they're on separate networks, how to do tunneling. Like you can literally work with the uh, the the operating systems that are on the routers and on the switches, learn the differences between a router and a switch and what's a hub. And all that kind of stuff, different different um, wiring. I believe you can even do some of that stuff in there. Um, so that that's another thing you can do. Another one of the ones that I used when I first started, which was so fun that I um, I, I stopped using it. Well, I use it every now and then when I want to mess around with some applications. But virtualization on your computer. So one called VMware. VMware is not is not free. Um, I believe they have a free version of it. But VMware is worth, if you're trying to invest in, this is worth your time. Because VMware, you can do just about anything. Um, VirtualBox is free. Somebody said VirtualBox. And there's a couple of other ones that are actually free. VirtualBox um, and a few other ones are actually free to set up. But VMware is the one that I that I was using a lot. And uh, you download it on a computer. You can set up servers. You can set up um, a, so you can like set up two boxes on a network and then use use a box to hack a server. You can set up a server and then use a, a Kali Linux uh, download to hack the server and learn how to do things like Nmap and things like um, uh, all kinds of hacking tools that are on uh, on uh, Kali Linux. Speaking of Kali Linux, another thing you can use on your system is called Kali, let me see, Kali Linux. Like if you go to Kali.org, this right here has a free distribution, a pen testing tool that you can download for free. It's called Kali.org, K-A-L-I.org. And you can actually uh, use that to learn all kinds of hacking techniques. And um, all kinds of command line type stuff. Um, another thing to do on your system is to learn a bit of, uh, of Python. Python is really good to learn if you're just trying to hack, if you're trying to mess around. Uh, Python, PowerShell, scripting languages are super duper effective for learning. Like you will be a badass if you know uh, shell scripting and stuff like that. So th those those are some of the things you can do. So basically, my home lab is a Kali Linux machine and Ubuntu machine. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, KD. And just keep messing around with that. And then what you want to do is eventually go for a certification. Uh, the certifications I would recommend, I know you're probably going to hate me for this, but CEH is a good one. Um, the hackers don't like the CEH, but it pays, man. It pays money. <laughs> and then the, uh, the one that you want to get that's elite or whatever that's really good is apparently is OSCP. That one's respected by hackers. 
but also respected by um, major institutions. Like if you have that under your belt, um, that's it's it's showing you know what you're doing. It's not easy from what I've heard. Richard says, I'm 45 and I don't know anything about cybersecurity. Is it too late for me to get started? Absolutely not. So cybersecurity is a very broad field. Um, this field, this field is very broad. Everybody's not hackers. I know we just spent like 15 minutes talking about hackers or how, what you can do to hack and stuff like that. But it's not all hacking. Like if you want to do that, you can. At 45, you can totally do that. But what I'm trying to do is broaden your horizon. It's not all about hacking. Um, there's different aspects of it. There's stuff that's super. If you're a mathematician, if you happen to love mathematics um, and logic, then you probably want to go into um, cryptography. Like if you're super big into that, go into cryptography. Uh, especially if you have a mathematics background, you have a, a propensity for mathematics, go into cryptography. Um, there's tons of jobs for that. It's not many people can do that stuff. Crypto analysis and cryptography. People who make crypto, crypto and people who break crypto. Cryptography I'm talking about, not cryptocurrency. So that's one aspect. Now, if you're not like super mathematic uh, and you're not, you're not into that stuff, but you like the technical aspects of it, you like hacking, you like messing around with computers, you like it feels like toys to you, then, yeah, you could set up a lab in your house and start messing around with it. Um, and, and start learning that way. It, this right here, like the whole setting up a lab and getting what that's going to do for you is, is let you know if you want to do it or not, because some people are not just not going to like doing that, that aspect of cybersecurity at all. That being said, there's another aspect of cybersecurity that's hands off. Now, you still have to know information technology, all aspects, all everybody in cybersecurity needs to know. Um, how to how to do basic networking, how to do information technology, how how computer how the hardware works with the software, um, the difference between an operating systems and, and an application, you know, an application that sits on the operating system, um, how these systems are hacked. Like you need to know those things. That those are basic things. So that will take you some time to learn it. But you can you can totally do it. That all that said, there's an aspect that is hands off. Um, there's one aspect that that I do, which is mostly mostly what I do is coordinate with uh, the guys who do have to install the patches, the guys who do have to be in the field um, uh, configuring systems and stuff. I don't do it. I tell I'm, what I do is I say I coordinate it. I'm like, OK, they give me the data and then I'm looking at all the data. I'm looking at all the vulnerabilities, everything. And I'm saying, OK, how are we going to what can we do to reduce our risk? Right. So I have to know enough to know, OK, this this right here is a critical. This right here is is not a critical. This is a not a critical finding. Like what which ones do, am I going to prioritize and then how are we going to how are we going to approach this? And then how can we fix this particular vulnerability? I have to know enough to do that. But I'm not actually fixing the systems. What I'll do is I'll meet with a team and say, OK, here's what we need to attack first. And the team might push back and say, well, if we, we we tried that last week, here's what we're doing. Then I would come back and say, OK, that means we need to document this and figure out what. So I do what's called GRC, which is governance, risk and compliance. So I'm trying to help the organization as a whole to get a, a to con, to manage their level of risks. So that is what I do. There's many different aspects 
of cybersecurity. It's a very broad umbrella. There's another aspect of cybersecurity that's not even directly cybersecurity that I would highly recommend, especially if you're not technically inclined. You, you don't, you're not going to go into cryptography because you don't like mathematics. You don't necessarily uh, want to go super deep in the technical side of it. You know, you don't maybe don't want to get the CompTIA A plus certification. You don't want to go back to school and get that um, that IT degree. Not that you have to get an IT degree, but you don't want to do all that stuff. There's another one that people do not talk about, and that is program management. Program managers are the guys who are even above. They're they're above what I do in in that. They're having to see the whole umbrella of the of a project. They'll take a giant project and say, "Okay, w- let's say we're putting together a, a whole nother network. We got to order the equipment. We've got to we got to purchase the equipment, get it on order. We've got to get with the network team to have them coordinate how how it's going to happen. Uh, map they got to map it out before they put it together. Then we once we put it together, we've got to test it out and then put the security controls on. So all of these steps, right? There's somebody above us who coordinates all the steps of this and that's a program manager. So they'll have to get with the people who are purchasing it and and say, "Okay, when are we purchasing?" They'll literally set up a meeting and say, "Okay, when are we purchasing it?" And then the network team will be on that call and say, "Okay, it's going to be in on the 5th." And then the network team is, "Okay, we'll be ready for it." And then on the 5th, they're like, "Okay, we got the equipment. The network team has it." Now, network team, how long is it going to take you based off of all the equipment you have is going to take you to actually implement the first stage of our project? They're taking the whole project in parts and they're having to coordinate. And sometimes the systems are so big. We need somebody to do that. Somebody who's very mature, somebody who knows how to talk to people, somebody who can has a, a very solid understanding of the of organizations as a whole because they've been around for some time. So. That's what I would recommend. If you don't, if you're not into mathematics, you don't want to go into cryptography. If you don't necessarily want to go sit down and, and learn, um, you know, um, thousands of hours worth of information technology just to get your foot in the door to, to go work in a help desk for uh, six months. You know, if you don't want to do what I'm doing, which is doing all, all this coordination with all these technical teams and management teams, um, then you want to uh do program management which you're doing some of the stuff i'm doing but without the technical piece so um that's you've got options and and are you too old at 45 absolutely not absolutely not as a matter of fact we need more mature people a lot of mature people are actually leaving this field because they're retiring or they're you know they didn't want to do this anymore they've been doing it a long time so we definitely need more program managers we need more um GRC guys, we need more cybersecurity as a whole. Um, hope that answered your questions. Um, somebody said I have Splunk on my Ubuntu machine, uh, but it still, but it still logs events, but it still logs, but would it still log events without the Splunk forwarder? Yes, yeah. So um, the Ubuntu machine. Will will it still log? I think I understand. I hope I understand what you're saying. The Ubuntu machine itself has um, has auditing built in. You just got to enable it. If that's your question, I'm not sure. Um, let me see. Sounds like project man. Yes, project management. That's what it is. 
project managers, program program managers, pro project managers. The, it's used interchangeably, but I think that you're you're correct. It's project management. Um, been on the help desk for two months. What would you do if you were in my shoes to advance your way up? Okay. I just got on the help desk and I've been on for two months. What would I do? Knowing what I know now, I would start off. What you need to do if you don't, if you haven't done this already, is get is get your resume and put it on LinkedIn. Get your resume, okay? Number one, before you even put on LinkedIn, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it down to you. Now, what you can do in advance is download my resume. I have a free sample resume. You can take mine to get an example of how how it should look, because mine is an ATS style resume. That means application tracking software. These large organizations they use. A specific, they're expecting a specific type of resume format that allows them to track you easier. Okay. So, number one, get your resume right. Start off, even if with two months, you already have experience. Let me explain. What you need to do if you're trying to get in cybersecurity is track every single time you do anything related to security. All right. You'd be surprised how many things are labeled as security that these technical recruiters are looking for. Number one is putting in security patches. That's vulnerability management. That's a key word that I just said. Vulnerability management is a key word that they're looking for right now. So if you ever applied a patch, if you've ever had to put a hot fix, if you've ever had to do any of this stuff in your environment, you need to put that on your resume. Now, after a vow, I would say give you four to six months of doing this, you have yourself a very solid uh, set of um, vulnerabilities. You could say something like installed um, a critical vulnerability on 500 mission essential systems, right? And it'll be a, it'll be true because when you're doing vulnerability management, you're probably applying like a thousand patches sometimes. You know, you might apply 15 patches on 50 systems, you know, 15 times 50 or whatever. So, yeah, so you, you want to put the impact of what you did cybersecurity wise on your, now you said I do Nessus every day. You need to put that on your resume too. Nessus Tenable is super hot to have on your resume for cybersecurity people. It's super hot. And the more you know how to do queries, reports, dashboards, setting all that stuff up, creating content on Tenable. Yeah, that's exactly what these people, and these people will pay the hell out of you to be the primary person who's both monitoring and setting up and ma and managing their tenable and their nested system. So you want to put the real, what you need to do is look at keywords. If you look at my resume, or you can just go to LinkedIn and do this yourself. You go to LinkedIn, you search for cybersecurity specialists, look at other people, look, search for people, look at their resumes and how they word tenable, how they word nessus. Look at how they word it. Um, are they using the words assessor? Are they using the word conducting assessments? Are they using the words vulnerability management? Are they what word what wording are they using? And use that on your resume. That in the first two months, that's what you need to be doing: building out your resume. Once your resume is solid, and you've got things like continuous monitoring on there, 
You've got, you've been doing, you've been applying patches. You've been working on doing Nessus. Like what's the impact to the organization having you do Nessus? Put that on your resume. Once you have all that on your resume, what you need to do is upload your resume on the following places. Number one, LinkedIn. Fill out the entire profile on LinkedIn. Number two, Dice.com. The best site for technical people. All the technical recruiters are there. Upload it there. Fill out the entire, from start to finish, the whole profile. Number three, Monster. The, at the very least, put it on these three. People do not listen to me. People do not listen to me. Even when they freaking hire me, people will pay me $100 an hour. And then I tell them what to do, and they do not do this, what I'm telling you right now to do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, but you need to put your resume on as many of these platforms as possible and fill out the entire profile. And then you will get a floodgate of, of people begging you to work for them. And they will be offering you way more, I guarantee it, than what you're making right now. That's what, that's what I would do if I were you. Um, I'm a voice over IP engineer and currently have a CCNA in school uh, and in school for my CCNP. What steps should I take? Uh, what steps should I take next? Um, I think you're doing it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't have nothing to add to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, CCMP is no joke, bro. And CCMP is right up there with a CC, uh, CISSP. Um, that's a professional level cert. Um, CCMP is no is no joke. Focus on your CCMP. Um, CCMP. Once you get that, it's a life changer. Um, I know a couple CCMPs and, and, um, yeah, they're doing very well. Uh, let me see. I've got some questions on YouTube. SS says it's the same thing I did. Get your degree certifications while you're in use. And use your GI, your GI bill. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, SS, for that. Oh, okay, Adam. Thank you, man. I, I didn't understand your what you were saying before. Um, ATO packages. Um, let me see. If you perform some tasks under CISSP domain or NIST, uh, I think they mean risk management framework type work for over five years, you can take the exam or you can start an associate exam. Oh, he's talking about the CISSP. CISSP has a, a um, it's a great certification, but there's a requirement before you take it where you you're supposed to have worked for five years or something like that you're supposed to have worked for five years in a type in a cybersecurity role that's in one of the domains of the cissp which one of them is for example cryptography is one of the domains um so if you worked in crypto it's not just cryptography there's risk there's one is risk management framework based it's very broad so you probably have worked in like if you've done any number of years 
anyway, so you have to have certain requirements in order to sit for the test uh, to take the exam. That's what he's saying. Um, let me see here. Can you use data security or governance work experience to count towards a CISSP exam requirement? Data and can you use data security or governance? Yeah, 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 of course you can. Yeah, so the governance is on one of the domains, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah, absolutely you can. I'm, I'm so sure you can use that. Let me just CISSP domains. Yeah, okay, here's the some of the domains. I'll just read some of the CISSP domains that they're looking for. If this is not, no, this is, this is fairly current. So it's um, there's eight domains in CISSP, and one of them is security and risk management. So you might be able to use that one if you've done governance, because that's what governance is. Uh, that's part that's part of governance. Um, asset security that might fit in your data security, um, and then you've got. Security, architecture and engineering, communication and network security, um, identity and access management is another one. Security, um, security assessment and testing. That's like security, um, the SEA, security control assessors. Uh, security operations. It's a little bit of, of physical security in there. And then software development security. So those are the eight domains of the CISP. So if you've done any aspect of those things, that qualifies you for that having some experience in those domains. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me see if I have other questions here. And I'm not going to take too much of you guys' time here. Um, just answering a few more questions. Easiest, highest paid, laid back jobs. Easiest, highest paid, laid back jobs. Um, I would definitely say it's not cybersecurity. Um, speaking of cybersecurity, it really depends on the organization. So there, I've done a couple jobs that were pretty easy. Easy for me. Um, one was writing policies. I'm, I'm super... It's easy. Policy writing is very easy for me. I don't know why, but that was pretty that was pretty easy for me. Um, I did that for like a as a side gig. Cybersecurity as a whole, though, is not it's not easy. It's not an easy job. High paying. Yes. Laid back. No, <laughs> not not really. Um, but I've worked some jobs where we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of work. So we just did. We just come in, do do our our piece, and then you're you're good. I've, so I've I've had that happen before, but um, I I gotta say, like if I'm being honest with you, there's not too many laid back jobs that I've had in cybersecurity. There's been a couple, like like I said, the policy writing job that I could have done from anywhere. I mean, I could have been on a beach in Hawaii writing the policy, you know. Um. So that was, I've had jobs where I can travel to another country and I can work from there 
but I'm having to do meetings and sometimes people are freaking out on, on meetings or whatever. So I can't say it's like laid back. Um, so if, if you're looking for just something hundred percent like laid back, mm, I don't, I can't think of many jobs I've had that have been super laid back in cybersecurity. Um, there's been times where we had less work or whatever, and it was kind of chill. But overall, like you're dealing with some sometimes you're dealing with difficult situations in cybersecurity. You know, you got to remember you're dealing with system gets hacked and then they're calling you. You're calling to a meeting to to fix to help to figure out what to do with a system that just got hacked or something like that's not nobody's laid back in that situation. Um, or if you're a consultant. They're calling you and paying you a lot of money because they really need you at that time. And um, they're panicking. And the thing is, you just got to be you just got to be laid back, you know. <laughs> yeah. So easiest, highest paying jobs laid back of uh, the policy writing. It will probably be the one that for me was the chillest that I that I I probably thinking about doing it right now. To be honest with you, I've been like, mm, did I quit this job and just do policies? Ah, oh, it was so easy. And I've got crazy money. And I was like knocking them out. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I'm seriously thinking about it. Uh, which ones allow you to travel to other countries, boss? Uh, it depends on the job, my friend. Like it really depends on the job. Some organizations they'll they'll allow you to do remote work, but they don't. Uh, they'll specifically say you can't go out the country. You know, some job. So first of all, you want to find a remote work job. 100% remote. Look for 100% remote because sometimes it's like not 100% remote. <laughs> sometimes it's like a flex remote, right? They want to put that in there to attract more people, but it's like you got to come in once a week or something. Like you can't really travel to another country. So, but the you can find them. Like if you go to LinkedIn, uh, you want to find like 100% remote jobs. Let me see if I can find one live. I'm, I'm going to log into LinkedIn real quick and whoa, man, I got so many people contacting me. This is crazy. I cannot answer all these questions. Um, okay. So what I would do is I would say, um, so I'm on LinkedIn right now. I'm just going to kind of walk you guys. If you guys haven't been listening to me on a podcast or something, I'll just explain what I'm doing. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm going to type in cyber security. And to answer your question, it's based off of the, the position. There are 100% remotes where you can work. You can literally be living in another country. I know this because at Verizon, for example, the last job, last organization I worked on with, we had several people who worked from other countries. Several. Um, there was one from uh, uh, Argentina, I think, and then one from one from that lived in Japan, one that lived like they lived all over the place. And um, that could have been me. I mean, I literally could just moved over to one of these other countries if I wanted to. And we, we had remote workers. You know, they had to know what they were doing. OK, so I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I just typed in cybersecurity. And um, now I'm going to look for jobs. I click jobs and now it's, it's showing me all the different jobs. There's tons of jobs here. Now, we don't want if we put any time, it's going to go back 15 years on a job that's not no longer available. So we want to search by. Uh, the last, let's say the last week. That's fair. 
the last week. And you, as you can see, there's 100,000 jobs here. And these are mostly in the United States. Now, I see some remote ones already. But now what we're going to do is we're going to go and filter by remote. Not hybrid, not on-site, just remote. That takes it from 124,000 down to 28,000 jobs. Now we filter down to 28,000 jobs. Now the, is where the heavy lifting begins because we've got to go through each one of these positions and see which one we, number one, which one applies to us, and number two, um, which one we are we um, can do, which one it fits us, and then which one do we want to do, you know? So we would go through, and what I would do is I would apply for each one of these. Like if, if, if especially if it was something that I do, I would, I would apply for each one. And then I would want to talk to them because they're going to contact you after you apply for these jobs that were put out. This one's three days ago. Check this out. This one's four days ago. This one's seven hours ago. This is a DLP one. That's this two days ago. This and it goes on and on. Like there's these jobs are all over the place, and they're so desperate because Americans don't want to work these jobs. They're so desperate to get people in some of these positions. If they can get away with paying, look at this: a senior. This is a this is a lead engineer job. That's two hundred thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like the people. Oh, there's no jobs in the U.S. There's no job. IA is gonna. You know, I'm. Artificial intelligence is going to take all of our jobs. Here's one at Netflix, a security engineer, and it's ni 19 hours ago was applied, is put it out there. Now, there's already 154 applicants for this 100% remote Netflix job. So, yeah, I mean, go ahead and fight that fight. <laughs> but here's another one. This one's in Louisville, Kentucky, six applicants already. This one's uh, one day ago. Um, I mean, look at this. Cloud engineers, like. So many jobs, so many jobs. And the thing is, they don't even when you get in these positions, there's not enough people to do them. Like right now, it's job I'm at right now. God forbid I'm, one of my coworkers is watching me, but they already know the deal. I'm at this job and. Uh, it's so much work. There's not enough people to do this work. We do not have enough people to do this work. Listen. As a matter of fact, if any of you guys are interested in the position, let me know. Like my email, go link in description. Tell me like they're they're literally sending out jobs. They're going to pay me $6,000 if you if you get hired. They're going to pay me money if you get hired because I told you to get hired. There's not enough people to do this work. It's too much work. It's too much and nobody wants to do it. So that's what's happening. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah. To answer your question, can how do you travel? Um, you gotta find the you gotta just find the position. Find the positions. They're out there, they exist. Um, apply for the jobs and then then talk to them. Like say, hey, you know, I'm I'm I wanna is is would it be okay to work from this other place? You know, you would find out if you're allowed to work from anywhere. They'll you'll know like during the interview if how how much remote work you can actually do. You'll know because um, not all of these jobs allow you to really travel like they'll it'll be remote. But you're looking for 100 percent remote. If you have that, that's that's half the battle right there.
What do you recommend for students trying to get internships? Um, what I would recommend right now is the first number one, try your school. So your school will sometimes have a work program at your school that will um, that will have something for you right there on on site. Um, that's number one. Number two is check this out. So if you go on the LinkedIn, if you go to Indeed, if you go to Dice, if you go to Monster, all of them have this. You go to the site, you type in cybersecurity, and then you type in like check check this out. You go to job type. And then if you go to internship, I'm filtering by internships and then search. And by the way, this is only in the United States. I can literally search other countries and all that kind of stuff as well. It just came up with over 124,000 cybersecurity internships on LinkedIn. Here's all the internships. Now, some of these are false positives. They're not this. They're not internships. But if you go through these, some of these are internships. Some of these are legit internships. Like this is not an internship. I don't know why it's saying that that's an internship. Here, okay. So I'm gonna type uh, experience level internship and job type internship. Let's do both of these so we can filter this out even, even further. Okay, now we're talking. Now there's only 900 searches right here. This is what I'm talking about. And these are I typed in cybersecurity. Now there's apprentice jobs. Okay, here you go. This is a internal audit manager internship. I would contact them and be like, hey, is this an internship? I saw it on the site as an internship. Look at all of these. Yeah, so these are actual internships. Now, some of these are not related to IT, but you got to go through them. So you can do this on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on all the sites have it. You just filter by internships. That's what I would recommend. Number one, look at your school. Go to your school and then see if they have jobs on your campus because they'll probably have it jobs right there uh actually somebody a friend of mine who comes on my youtube channel quite a bit he he is literally working for the school doing cybersecurity stuff and also getting a degree so he could put that on his resume right he's literally getting experience and then by the time he's done he's got two years of experience literally work and then he'll be able to level up like whatever he's working now whatever money he's made let's make say he's making 15 dollars an hour when he gets out he'll make like five times that much once he gets his degree and he's done that's what i would recommend start off at your school check it out there get a job there if you can if not go to linkedin on dice on the way and then type in the filter by look for cybersecurity or it jobs wherever you're looking for internship filter by internships You'll find them. You can also do that on Google, by the way. Uh, let me see. Somebody on YouTube said, um, how can you get hands-on experience doing assessments? Love your book, by the way. Oh, man, thanks, Wood Woodson. I appreciate that. Um, how do you get hands-on experience doing assessments? So if you happen to be, Woodson, if you happen to be in this industry, if you happen to be on the help desk, if you happen to be, Doing something where you're already in a hands-on technical position, you may have some assessment experience already. Because assessments are, people have in their mind that assessments are only pen testing, and that's not the case. So assessments um, are, there's many kinds of assessments. So when I was working at Verizon, we had like 13 different assessments, but that's that that doesn't even that's not even just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other assessments, but Verizon would do a physical security assessment. 
That's why you literally walk around you know, inside the facility, right? And look around, and say, okay, what? Let me see the the doors. Let me see, like, if you have alarm systems. Let me see your windows. Okay, windows on the first floor. Do they have alarm systems on there? You know, is there crit critical information on this first floor? Okay, do you guys have environmental protections on your systems? Is there is there HVAC system here? Is there? That's an assessment. Okay, wireless is another assessment. Like that's like making sure that there's that the organization has basic security practices on their wireless networks. Um, it's not just pen testing is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, so assessments would be another one would be documentation because organizations are supposed to have certain levels. So if you are have ever sat down and looked at the organization's policies, procedures, work instructions, um, it, are they out, out the, are they out of date? Um, did they get signed off by the organization? That's an assessment. Um, another thing would be, what's another assessment? Do have you ever participated in a phishing campaign? Like organizations these days will have a phishing campaign where they send out emails, like a fake email to see if people will click on it to see if they, they need to train their organization. If you've ever sent those out, if you participated in, in that, in that procedure, in that process, that's an assessment. Another thing that you, if you if you've worked in this field at all, if you've done any kind of scans, if you worked on Nessus, if you worked on Qualys, if you worked on if you've done any kind of scan, that is part of an assessment because you're assessing. Uh, it might be the the uh, compliance of the systems, how compliant with the Stigs are. So what, how compliant with our organization's baseline are our systems? You know, so there's many different types of assessments. So you may already have actual assessment experience. You just got to put it on your resume because a lot of the actual technical recruiters are literally looking for that kind of experience. But you got it. But they don't know you exist. Now, if you have none of this experience, how do you get the hands on experience as an assessor? Um, I would say getting into one of these jobs as a, a help desk person. Um, as a, uh, you can actually get in as a junior um, cybersecurity person doing it. Like you, if you're in cybersecurity, you get your foot in the door, you're almost at some point, there's a very good chance you're going to conduct an assessment or some piece of an assessment at some point. So the best way to get the assessment experience is to get your foot in the door in an organization because it's not enough to do it. You can do it in your house. Like you can literally set up an Ubuntu, like somebody said, they, they set up a a, um, a Ubuntu system and then a, a, a Kali Linux system, and then they can like run scans from this system on a network that they created in their house and stuff like that. And you, what that what that allows you to do is say on your on your resume that you are familiar with this or that tool, right? That's legit. But what they really want to see is if you are in an organization and you had to run real uh, a scan or a um, conduct an assessment against real world um, assets. That's what they're really looking for. But you can you can still do all that stuff in your house to say I'm familiar with Tenable. I'm familiar with you know how to conduct a wireless assessment. I, I'm familiar with this or that tool that's for wireless assessments. I'm a, I'm you can learn that stuff on your own. So I would get my foot in the door of a good organization. Um, even as even if you're just an apprentice or if you're in, in an internship or whatever, and then you will do an assessment at some point. 
right? A lot of times I think it's just people don't know that they're conducting assessments because the organization doesn't call it that, but that's what it is. So I, ho I hope that answers your question. Uh, let me see here. Wow, so a lot of these, I'm getting so, oh my Lord, this is, it's a bit, it's been a bit over, overwhelming. Like, um, I think, I think what's happening is um, this stuff is starting to get picked up by the algorithm of YouTube and TikTok. <laughs> and I'm getting all these emails and stuff and I can't keep up with it all, especially now that I got a job. Um, it's getting a little bit more popular. So um, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with this. And I'm, that's what I'm trying to do is build something to where, to where um, I'm have more resources that I could just send people to this or that resource. And if they want to know, hey, Bruce, how do I how do I get a job? And they say, OK, go to this site. You know, here's some content like go go here, you know, or hey, Bruce, can I do that's what I'm kind of been trying to do all these years to like filter all the questions to this or that bit of content that I already have. And that way, you know, I, I'm this is one way one man show. I'm the, I'm the only person doing this right now. So um, it's. It's uh, it's nice to be noticed, but also uh, I don't have time to do one-on-ones. That's for sure. Before leaving my current career and earning a certificate, are there any weekend part-time tech jobs? Hmm. Weekend part-time tech jobs. You might be able to find that. <clears throat> Let me see. I'm on YouTube. Let me um, let me uh, show my screen on YouTube here, and I'll walk you guys through what I'm about to do. I don't know. Let me let me see if there's something you could do for a part. I think so. Let's see. So first of all, what I would do is I would go to LinkedIn. I would type in help desk because we want like an entry level type job or customer support. Customer support technical technical customer support. Something like that. Something like that. And now we don't want to necessarily internship. We want a part-time job. So what I'm doing is filtering by part-time, 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 and then maybe just remote. Let's see if we could do remote part-time jobs. Let's see if we could find anything for that. No jobs found. Okay. That's because I have internship here. Let's put entry level here. Let's see. Eight results. A lot less results for this, but they do exist. So the answer is yes. So what you what I did here is I went to LinkedIn. You can do this on Monster, Dice, all all more of the most of the major job aggregators. You can do this. Okay, I went to the LinkedIn. I typed in technical customer support. Now you could type in help desk. You could type in uh, technical customer service. You could type in field service technician. Those are all entry level type jobs. All right. Then I typed in. Um, Jobs in the past week because we want some current. It doesn't have to be the past week. It'll probably be within 30 days probably it will work. And then entry level because if you're new to this, you know, you don't want to be like put in a management position or something like that. You kind of want something like. Then I put part-time um, as well as remote. So there weren't many jobs for this. I only found eight, but these are, some of these are paying pretty good. One is a big fix assessment manager. Another one is a technical service engineer in California or CA remote. So they're actually based out of Arizona. 
I guess. And then there's a, there's a field service technician. So the answer is yes, they, they do have these jobs, especially if you learn, you know, other languages, because here's one for Portuguese. If you know Portuguese, they're looking for a tier one customer support person. Here's another one that's German. They want you to know German on this one. Um, so, yes, there are jobs. They're, they're harder, to, much, much harder to find, but they do exist. Uh, let me see. Is there a, le a lot of math to get a degree as an analyst? I'm actually not sure. Um, do you mean like a cybersecurity analyst? Or um, I can only speak on cybersecurity analyst work. I mean, I was a cybersecurity analyst. And um, first of all, you don't have to have a degree to be a cybersecurity analyst. Um, and... Okay, cybersecurity analysts. So, so I could I can only speak on cybersecurity analysts, which I did do for a couple of years. And we typically you're going to work in a security operations center. And is there a lot of math? No, um, there is. It will be helpful if you know some scripting, but I didn't know scripting. Um, I'm a GRC guy. I just went in there and I, I I just happened to know enough to be enough technical stuff to be dangerous. I don't I don't know a lot of scripting. I know I, I at the time. I knew a very little bit, but I didn't use it at the job. But the guys who were very effective, they knew script, they knew scripting languages. Um, math, no, there was no. It's not. I mean, the most math you might have to know would be like um, what's it called? Boolean. It's like uh, subnet masks of uh, i of IP addresses, but you don't even really have to know that. I mean, that's that's for network engineers. Um, so, how did you get? How did you go about getting that job? So um, I got it because I'm doing the techniques I'm, te I'm teaching people here. Um, so on here, if you if you happen to be late, what I do is this was work for me throughout my entire career as a cybersecurity person. What you do is you got to have an ATS style resume. Now, if you're curious to what that is, you can go to Google and type in ATS style resume. It'll show you exactly what it is. Or you can go to my, you can actually get a sample of my resume if you go wherever i don't know where where it is here but if you go there download a sample copy of my resume check that out and um download it check look at it that format is what they're is what recruiters are looking for number one okay get the format down what you want to do with this with this resume is you want to put keywords that are related to cybersecurity. you want to put best security practices that's what the industry uses best security practices that means like um have you ever turned on audit logs before? Have you ever uh, run scans before? Have you ever conducted an assessment before? What's happening here is there's a big gap between what people think cybersecurity is and what, like what, what, um, like the people who are popular on these platforms are normally like hacker type dudes. Like they're very, very, very smart dudes who are like hackers and they're like, um, they know programming, you know, they've been programming since they were three and shit like that. Like, I'm not that guy, man. Like, you're talking to a dude. Look at me. Look, look, at. do I look like I know freaking, uh, you know, <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a regular ass guy. Okay. Doing regular ass shit. I do not know deep ass programming. You know what I mean? So you don't have to, like, these dudes are special. I'm not, I'm a normal dude. So I'm telling you what I did. So what I did is um, I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. I don't know how to program. I'm, I'm not freaking. What's this dude's name? 
what's this guy? This another one of these freaking brilliant Boyd clue clueless. I am a normal ass dude. Okay. If I can do it, you can do it, but you got to do what I'm telling you. So you got to have an ATS style resume. If you don't know what that is, you can literally download mine. It's free. Okay. Download mine. And it also has the, some of the keywords that you need. Look at the keywords that you need. Like if you need more keywords for what you're trying to do, if you're trying to get in the site, look, listen, there's many different parts and pieces of of this career field. It's not just hacking. It's not just programming. It's not, you don't have to be the dude from war games who hacked the DOD database to do this. Like it's not, doesn't, it's not, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon to do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not that freaking hard. So you got to get the keywords on it. You can, if you want to go into crypt, cryptography, cryptography, you got to be a mathematician for that. Like that is for very special people. Um, I'm talking about math proofs, all kinds of stuff. If you're not trying to do that. There's, you can be a hacker. Like it, hackers are not all hackers, no programming, to be honest with you. Not all of them do. Some of them are just very, very clever, clever enough to not know programming and still hack your stuff. That is clever. So, um, but the best ones, the best ones do know programming to be perfectly honest with you. They either know ha hacking or they, um, programming or, or they know, uh, scripting languages. Um, and then you've got, um, oh man, then you've got what I do, GRC, and you've got cybersecurity analysts. There's a huge spectrum of cybersecurity. Whichever part of the spectrum you want to be in, you've got to key all your keywords on your resume to that thing. For cybersecurity analyst work, you got to be pretty technical. Um, one of the best certifications you can get for this, if you're really interested, is the SANS G, uh, GNS. Uh, GCIA, SANS GSI. Let me just, I don't want to lie to you guys here. So let me just bring it up. It's called, this is not an easy certification. It's not for the faint of heart. It's going to take, it's going to take some serious um, work on your part to do this one. This is no, this is no joke, um, but it's very fun. Like I, I've done a little bit of this. This is the GCIA. If you happen to be watching me, if not, I'll explain it. Um, so it, it covers things like advanced IDS concepts it it's uh application protocols huge 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 on concepts of tcpip and link layer the three-way handshake you gotta you gotta know that like you got to know like this right here this is this is right here you gotta know this <laughs> concepts of tcpip huge fragmentation what is that uh ids fundamentals network architecture um uh, intrusion detection system rules because you'll be using tools like was it snort or or something like that ip headers um and, and silk that's a that's another tool packet engineering tcp dump filters uh wireshark fundamentals like these are that's these are like network sniffers and stuff that this is the kind of stuff that needs to be on your resume if you're trying to be a cybersecurity um a cybersecurity analyst that's the kind of stuff that you need to that you need to do. And did my okay? No, it did great. Apologize for that. Okay, so that is what you need to do. That needs to be on your resume. Um, and and I I wish you guys the best out there. Um, did you get your did you get to go to did you go to college for this to work your way up from the help desk? Um, 
So I actually started in the military. Um, and yes, so in the military, what they do, what they did when I was in was that they you would start off in the help desk. You would start off in the in the help desk and you would um, work your way. They they would put you in different positions, but like the everybody went to the help desk to do on the job training. And um, it was very, very hands on. And from there, if they needed bodies in network engineering, they would pull somebody. Some of the more people who are more technically inclined, people who work hard workers, they would pull you into wherever they needed you. What happened to me was like they would like look at us and say, OK, this dude's pretty clever. We need somebody in network engineering. So they pull him over here, put him in network engineering. Right. Or we like this guy. We like this guy. Let's pull him into firewalls like we're going to teach this guy firewalls. Right. And then they would teach you hands on like it would be great. And people like, oh, man, that dude's in the firewalls. Oh, that's dope. And then what happened to me, though, is I was like the last person picked and they threw me in uh, what was called. A, I was a messaging technician. So I was a messaging technician, which was I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, what? what is that? And then they put me in a in a, in a <laughs> they put me in a place that had no windows. And all we did was process classified information. I, man, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. We weren't fixing routers. We weren't fixing putting together networks. We weren't programming. I wasn't learning to do firewalls. I was a messaging technician, but it, and I hated it. But it was a blessing in disguise because what I ended up learning was what I'm teaching now, the stuff I'm talking about, which is risk management framework, which is GRC stuff, which which is actually way more secure, easier to do. It's one of the easiest jobs in cybersecurity. Um, it's, uh, it's paid for my trips all over the world. It's paid for my college. It's paid for my life. So it was actually a blessing in disguise. They put me in a room with no windows and I found out later it's called a skiff <laughs> and I hated it, man. But what I did was they were like, Hey, you know, we, we want you somebody, one of you guys to to write a policy for this place, like for the system that that would process this classified information. And, um, and they was like, Hey, you, you there staff sergeant, you can do this. And, uh, they had me write like a system security plan and like part of a policy or something. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I just start reading regulations and, um, that's how I started. Like I start, I read there and I understood it. I was like reading it's boring as hell. But I read the regulation. I read, okay, this is what they, I guess this is what they're trying to do. All right, here's the format for what they're trying to do, a system security plan. At the time, they call it system security authorization agreement. And uh, I wrote that. And then we had an assessment. We had assessors came and they were looking at all our documents and looking at our system and stuff. And they looked at my document and they're like, they're like, who wrote this? I said, yeah, it was me. They're like, can we keep this template? I was like, I just, I just put a word. I just created a word document and then created all the stuff. Like I said, sure. <laughs> and they start using that at other organizations. That's how I got started. Got, you know, fast forward, getting out of the military. And um, I was like, I don't want to do this crap anymore. So I went and started doing like, I was like a Linux, a Unix administrator or something for a while. And they didn't get paid very well. And I'm like, damn, like, what the hell? We got treated bad. We were field technicians. We were treated bad. We weren't paid that good. They sent us all over the world. <clears throat> Didn't want to pay us 
to travel. I mean, they did pay us, but they were really, they didn't like paying us. And um, eventually I was like, man, this is not what's going on here. <laughs> you know, like it's not what I had in mind. And I started doing this regular um, cybersecurity stuff. Like I went back to my roots, which was writing policies, cybersecurity, and they pay way better and like, and there's less competition. Okay, I think this is going to be my last question. I, I'm getting so many questions here. I appreciate everything. Thank you guys for, for being here with me. I really appreciate everybody. Um, but I'm going to ask this last question, and it is, how can someone pivot from security engineer to cybersecurity engineer? So um, that's a great question. And so the, what I would say is there's something called application security. And so if you, if you are... A cyber, if you are a software engineer, you know how to actual write code and everything, and you try to get in cybersecurity, this is a great opportunity for you because there's something called what you want to do is go to go to Google and type in application security, um, app security, A-P-P-S-E-C. Type that in and you'll see a whole new world like that song, a whole new world where there is money everywhere. <laughs> app security app security job let me see if i can I, don't, I want you to know i'm not lying to you let me show you what i'm talking about so application security is is i'm on google right now I'll just type appsec app security jobs um if you didn't know google has a great job aggregator that searches by your location and all of these jobs right here, these this one's for um, AWS App Security Consultant. Uh, here's a senior app security engineer. Just so you know, like uh, somebody else asked me the same question and they said that they knew app security. And I was like, what? And, and the organization I was looking for, uh, the organization I was working for was looking for app security guy. So a guy who was watching me on one of these right here, it was on YouTube. And he was like, hey man, like I'm looking for a job right now. Like he had just taken my course and he was like, hey Bruce, like um, I'm looking for a job and you, you have like, what, can you help me out or whatever? And um, I said, sure. I said, what do you do? Can you send me your resume? He sent me his resume and it had app application security on it. So that's an application security is somebody who looks at code, right? Like they look at not necessarily like C++ code or whatever. It might be a web application uh, where somebody set up a website that's all it does is take people's information. They log in and it sends them. It authorizes them, connects to a database and it logs them in. Right. Think of your bank or something. Right. The front end of your bank is just a it's just a Web page that sends you to a secure server. And then that secure server was going to authenticate you or whatever. So application security guys looking at the process. Okay, how could we exploit this code that's on this application that this bank or whoever created? How can I, is there some way to exploit this? Do they have the proper amount of um, cryptography on this system? Do they have, um, if they are using a backend database, when, they're, when the site is connecting, to this backend database is there any way we can exploit this and they're not just eyeballing it and saying oh okay i see the code here they use the tool they'll use a tool and the tool will actually run through a bunch of stuff now that they have to be able to interpret the stuff that the that the tool comes out with like the tool might say 
cross-domain, uh, uh, this cross-sites, this this site can be exploited on a by a cross-site um, uh, cross-site scripting attack, right? So a normal person like myself is not going to know what the hell that is. We're going to be like, what the hell? What is that? Or it might, it might, uh, that tool might spit out something like um, this, this site can be exploited by a uh, SQL injection attack, right? So, you know, a, a normal cybersecurity guy might be like, well, I don't, you know, how would you do that? But an application person might say, well, let me take a look at the code. So they'll know what they're looking at. They'll be able to say, okay, I see what they're trying to do with this website and how it's trying to use it's connecting to this backend database and we've got to fix this and here's how they, they would be able to interpret the the information that the tool gives them and then figure out like what they need to do to fix it is what i'm trying to tell you so app software engineers going to cybersecurity, uh, you can definitely make money off of that for sure what i would recommend that you do is get a um is get a security plus Security Plus is a go to CompTIA um, and type in Security Plus, the plus security and plus sign. So that certification is going to walk you through the basics of what you need to know for best security practices. Now, even though it's not the it's not a high level security certification, okay, but it's that thing is worth some money. I'm gonna tell you, especially in government. There's several different organizations that are looking for that certification. It's a hot certification. Security Plus, get the Security Plus as a start, right? That's one of the things you can get. Another thing you can get if you're in cloud, get a, a AWS a AWS certification. Those those two right there, you get those two, you'll be able to transit because you'll know the best security practices. You as a software engineer already know some security practices that you're supposed to do in code. One of which is documenting inside the putting the comments in the code. That's that's one of the security best practices. Protecting the uh, the software repository is another one. Making sure that only certain people can get into the software repository and not pollute or uh, to to corrupt the software repository. There's certain things that you know as a software engineer that's going to help you to transition into cybersecurity. But the security plus is going to round out. Your whole—it's um, going to start off your career as a cybersecurity person, and then once you get in there, you're going to make. I'm telling you, man, this dude that I talked to about this—he's like making—he's making bank now. I know because I worked there before, and so I know that they don't want to lose this dude. So, yeah, he's getting paid. He got a very big pay bump off of that, and using the techniques I that I'm teaching here that I tell people here every week, he got many offers. Actually, he didn't even have to take. Um, it was, it's, it's over, it's over 130, over 130, you know, and I, I suppose for some people that's not that much money, but my man was already, my man's already doing pretty well. I'm not gonna put his business out there in the street. So he didn't need a lot. He didn't need nothing to be honest with you, but to each their own, I guess. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know why he's working. <laughs> I don't know why he's working. Anyway, okay, guys, I think that's it. Um, I'm out of here. Thank you guys so much for your questions. I appreciate everything. Um, if you guys are sending me emails and stuff, I apologize. I'm, I have so many emails that I'm getting every day. I just don't have time. The best way 
the best time to catch me for questions is this right here because I can answer multiple questions at once. I could take the time to just sit here and talk to people. Um, I, and I and I didn't even have time to go through all the current questions that I have. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm trying to work on some way that I can do more with less. Less time and everything. So it's not like before when I, I took like four months off where I didn't work because I, I have a side business and I had stacked up some cash. So I was able to just not work for four. It was pretty dope, but I got to go back to work. So that's that's the now I can't really answer as many questions and stuff. All right. That's it, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Um, enjoy your Martin Luther King Day weekend. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you guys for asking questions. And I will see you guys hopefully, hopefully next week. A whole new world. <laughs>